please take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5, please. Luke chapter 5 this morning. Luke chapter 5. And we've been in a series through the Gospel of John, and we'll get back to that, uh, Lord willing. Um, we're just going to go a different direction here this morning. And I want to read a passage out of Luke chapter 5, just a few verses. Let me direct your attention to verse 12 of Luke 5, please. <clears throat> Make sure everybody gets a chance to get there. Verse 12, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. We understand when we study out the Gospels that each of the gospel writers really had a particular angle that they were coming from in pointing to Jesus Christ. And the Gospel of John, we know that John was intent on pointing out the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, God in the flesh. And so all of the life of Jesus, as it's narrated in the Gospel of John, really has that slant to it to highlight and point to the deity of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, uh, every one of the gospel writers uh, alludes to and points to and, and states that Jesus is the Son of God. And Luke, the gospel of Luke, is very systematic uh, as well. God, he, Luke highlights the miracles that Jesus did in such a way to show that Jesus had power over the physical elements of this natural world, and in so doing, proving that he also had authority to forgive the sins in the heart of a man, the reason for which he came into this world to begin with. And there were a lot of people who tried to portray themselves as something spiritual. The Pharisees were like that, for example, and it would be very easy for words to be said that actually couldn't really be verified. For example, a, a priest can say, thy sins are forgiven, but you cannot verify that. You cannot, uh, you cannot see inside of a person's heart to see if that was actually true. It's easy for, for to say the words, thy sins be forgiven thee, because no one can see into the heart. But Jesus did what no one else could do. Jesus performed miracles, proof, he did the supernatural, proof that he was God and also the only one who actually could forgive sins. And our text this morning presents to us a man who had a terrible disease. The Bible says that he was full of leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible was probably the most devastating and feared disease of the time. Leprosy for a Jew, beyond just the physical ramifications and the physical effect of it, 
Leprosy for a Jew rendered a man ceremonially unclean. So that if he was healed, he still would have had to go to the priest to carry out a very extensive ritual of cleansing before he could be accepted back into the religious community and to worship. And, and so the, the, not only the physical aspect of it, but the social aspect of it was, was a horrifying and a horrible thing for, for a Jew. And so it was, it was, like I said, probably the most devastating and feared disease of the time. Usually leprosy would have taken on one of two forms. One of them being more benign and the other one rather deadly. Both of them, both forms, no matter what it was, would have started with either a white or a pink discoloration on a patch of skin. The more benign form was limited to this skin discoloration, just a number of places on the body, and if it left untreated, even in those cases, there was, there was a good chance of it actually being healed or going away in one to three years. It might begin with a little nodule, which left unattended could also turn into something that was ulcerated. And those sores and ulcers would develop further into something that started to have a, a discharge that was a bad smelling discharge. What was also common for a leper was that it would start with the eyebrows of a person falling out and then the eyes would become sunken into their face and staring. Their vo vocal cords would become ulcerated and the voice becoming ho uh, hoarse. Uh, then it would start to affect their their lungs and the way that they would breathe and their breath would become wheezes. The hands and the feet would start to ulcerate and slowly the sufferer would become a mass of ulcerated growths all over their body. The average course of that kind of leprosy was nine years and it ended with their mind decaying and ultimately it would cause them to fall into a coma and ultimately they would die horrible disease. Leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some part of the body and the nerve trunks were affected and the muscles would begin to waste away and the tendons would contract in a person's body until the hands and the feet were just like claws. And there would follow the ulcerations then of the hands and the feet and it would just progress and progress until the leper might lose his fingers and his toes and, or a whole hand or a whole foot. The duration of that kind of leprosy could have been anywhere from 20 to 30 years. And it was a kind of terrible, progressive death in, a, in which a man would die by inches. Horrible, horrible disease. And while the physical disease was horrible, like I said, the social consequences in ancient Israel only added to somebody's misery. According to the historian Josephus, lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men walking. They were already treated as if they were already dead. And the Mosaic law prescribed that the person 
uh, who had leprosy would be cut off from society, including his family. And he had to wear some torn clothing uh, and he had to have his head uncovered and he would have to cover up his mouth. And any time people would come around, he would have to shout, unclean, unclean. Wherever he went, he would have to warn others to keep their distance because I'm unclean. It was a horrible physical disease, but it was also mentally debilitating. Being separated and isolated from society, from family, it was so lonely. What a horrible, lonely way to die. They would form leper colonies or communities because that's all that they had. And it was probably this form of leprosy that the Bible refers to when it describes this man in our text being full of leprosy. And our text shows that this man came to Jesus. Let's read it again. I want you to note something here. It came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. When you get down to verse 14, after Jesus healed him, Jesus told him to go show himself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses had commanded for a testimony unto them. It's interesting here that our text shows that this man in his leprous state was desperate enough to break the taboo, to approach Jesus, to fall on his knees in front of him, begging him, saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And then we read that Jesus' willing reply came with a touch. And it was a reply to this man's humble faith that if you're willing, Lord, I know that you can do this. And the spiritual lesson in all of this is actually really good news for us because the miracle shows us that not only the cleansing power of Jesus Christ, number one, over leprosy, but it also shows us His power over sin and His willingness to meet us where our need is. And that's a humbling truth that is really good news for you and for me. Amen? I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, a lesson from a leper. And I want to break these verses down and make some applications for us this morning. But let's go to the Lord in prayer first, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to understand your word. Lord, I pray that you'd use your word in our hearts. Lord, I pray for the one who may not be saved. Lord, that they would see and understand their own need their own condition before God, but also the willingness of the Savior to meet them where their need is. Lord, I love you today. Thank you for uh, this church and for these people. And we pray for those who are not well, as many who are not with us today. Pray that you'd strengthen them, help them, that they might recover and be gathered together again into the church family. Lord, we just pray that you bless them and those that are watching in the live stream as well. Lord, use your word in, in their life. And we pray. All of these things in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. First of all, I want to draw your attention to verse 12, and I want to point out the need. Understand, number one, the need. There was a need for this man to be clean. The Bible tells us in verse 12, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Here was the need to be clean. This man had a need that he could not meet himself. His need was deeply felt inside of him. The Bible tells us that he was full of leprosy. This leprosy was at its most horrible state in his life. He knew that there was no hope for him. There was no cure for this disease. There certainly wasn't uh, uh, not anything that he had found. If, he, if there was, he would have found it. There was no human cure for it. He lived in this state of total hopelessness, knowing what his inevitable fate would be. The end of it, death. But he also knew, apparently, of Jesus' miracles. He had heard of this man, Jesus. He had heard that he worked miracles. There were some who were lame that he had caused to walk. There were blind that he had caused to see. There were were the deaf and the dumb that he had caused to hear and to speak. There were things that he did that nobody else could do. This man understood his condition. He understood there was no hope for him. He understood he lived in this hopeless state. The end of it would be death. He knew all of that, but he also knew that Jesus worked miracles. And he knew his only chance... His only hope of survival would lay with this man, Jesus. It was his need to be clean and his desperate need that he felt so deeply that drove him, that, listen, here's the point, that drove him to Jesus. Because we see at the end of verse 12 that the Bible tells us that he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, and he besought him. He besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Understand this. This is very significant. Because this man broke ceremonial law by coming to Jesus, by approaching him, and falling on his face before him, because Jesus was his only chance. The law kept him from people. The law kept him from community and from society. It was against ceremonial law for a leper to approach anyone. When people would come by, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, to warn people. But instead, he came to Jesus. His desperate situation caused him to throw away the, quote, ceremonial law because he knew that Jesus was his only chance. Understand this. Breaking the ceremonial law subjected him to 39 lashes. 39 lashes, 40s, is said to kill a man. This was a serious thing. The law subjected him to that. But this man probably thought something like this. I can, Jesus is my only hope. I can break the, the ceremonial law, and if they get me and they beat me, I'll probably die. 
But that's still better than this terrible, painful, slow death that I'm experiencing right now. My hope is Jesus. And listen, here's the application, friend. This is a picture for us of our condition in our sinful state before God. The Bible tells us this man was full of leprosy. It consumed him. It was going to kill him. His only hope was Jesus. He needed to be clean from his problem. And this is a picture for us of our sinful condition in our sinful state before a holy God that, we, that, that sin is, consumes us and sin is going to kill us and we need to be clean from our sin problem. I want you to see how the Bible describes us. People don't like to hear this because people view themselves in a different light than how the Bible describes us. People view themselves as pretty good people. Well, I'm a decent person. I'm a good person. That's not what the Bible tells us, though, about our condition. Look at Isaiah chapter 1 with me, please. Just keep your place here in Luke 5. But look at Isaiah chapter 1. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 1 and verse 4, follow along as I read it here. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not, uh, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. God is describing what it really looks like. A sinful nation, a seed of evildoers, people that are corrupt, people that have forsaken the Lord. He says the whole head is sick. He says from the foot even to the head, there's no soundness but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. But in our view of ourselves we you know we get on our sunday best and we go to church and we play the religious part and we think i'm a pretty decent good person that's what i look like to myself but in reality what a holy god sees is corruption and wickedness and vileness and the bible says listen friend the bible says that god is of pure eyes that he cannot behold or look on sin. That's our condition. Romans tells us there's none good, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. Let's go back over to Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, because it describes for us a little bit more the human condition. In verse, Romans chapter 3, in verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, 
No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You know that word unprofitable in verse 12? It means to render useless. Everyone. They're all gone out of the way. They're together rendered useless. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. It's a grave. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I don't know of a passage that could describe humanity any better. Even in America. People whose mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet swift to shed blood, destruction, misery, no peace, and no fear of God. That's the reality of the human condition. No matter how much we want to put a pretty wrapper, you know, on ourselves or a bow, our heart is corrupt. Our heart is sinful. And listen, here's the principle and the point. This is how the Bible describes us. And in reality, no matter what we think of ourselves, we're actually a terrible offense to God and His holiness. We're like this leper in Luke chapter 5. Full of sores. Full of leprosy. Full of sin. Listen, the problem the problem with many people, unlike this leper, is that they don't deeply feel their need. They don't see it, and they don't feel it. Look in Revelation chapter 3 with me. Revelation chapter 3, in our pride, in our self-righteousness, we'll prop ourselves up, we'll look at all the, quote, good things that we do to try to justify and prove to ourselves that we're good people. But that is not how God sees us. In Revelation chapter 3, in verse 17, the Bible says, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Here's how they saw themselves. Hey, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I don't need anything. I'm pretty good. But in reality, you're wretched and poor and blind and naked. We can't see ourselves for what we really are. That's the problem with so many people. Unlike this leper, the need of the soul. That I'm an offense. A horrible offense to a holy God. And I am in trouble with God. They don't feel the need. They don't see the need. Millions and millions of people. And maybe, friends, maybe even somebody here today, I can't see into people's heart, but God does. And there are people all over who are spiritually defiled, caked with years and years of filthy sin. But they're oblivious to their need for cleansing. And every day the mind is filled with pride and with lust and with greed and with jealousy and with anger and hatred and vengeance and unthankfulness and ingratitude and a host of other sins. And their lips spread gossip and they speak lies. 
They distort the truth to their own advantage. Their common speech is punctuated with filthy words. They even take the holy name of the Lord in vain. They drink their booze. They watch their filth. Their behavior is motivated by whatever is advantageous to them at the time, even if it hurts other people. And yet, if you ask such a person, why should God let you into heaven? Invariably, they will answer this, because I'm basically a good person. See, this man understood his true condition. He understood the condition of misery that he was in. He knew that he had no hope. And listen, friend, those eyes are the same eyes that we need to see ourselves with concerning our sin. That I'm miserable. I have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And then, listen, then our response is going to be just like this man's response was too. Go back to our text in Luke chapter 5 because I want you to see his approach. We see the need, but now I want you to see the approach. Because the Bible says, because he understood his condition in the second part of verse 12, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him. Here's the approach. The Bible says that he saw Jesus and he came and he fell on his face and he besought him. That word besought means to beg. It means to earnestly petition. Why would he beg and why would he earnestly petition? Because he was desperate and he knew it. He fell on his face, which indicates that he was also humble. And notice his statement. He says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He was not questioning Jesus' ability. Rather, his statement is a reflection of the fact that he understood that he didn't and couldn't possibly deserve healing. And so he was crying out for mercy. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Remember the story of the publican and the Pharisee. How two men went up in the temple to pray. The one a publican, the other a Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, the Bible says. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, even as this publican. He's comparing himself to others. He thought himself to be righteous. I give of all the tithe, I give of all that I possess. And he lists all the good things, all of his, quote, self-righteousness, things that he used to justify himself, make himself look good to himself in the eyes of God. What he didn't see was his real condition. Then the Bible goes on to describe the publican who was a man who was humble. And the Bible says 
that he couldn't even lift up so much as his eyes, but smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Then Jesus goes on to say that this man went away justified and not the other. The publican was in the same situation. He called himself a sinner. He, wouldn't, he was humbled. He couldn't even lift up his eyes. He was ashamed of his condition. He understood it, and it caused him to cry out for mercy. That's what we see in Luke 5 with this leper. He knew his only hope was Jesus. He didn't care if he broke ceremonial law. He was going to die anyway. But if there was any hope, it was in this man, Jesus. And he humbly approached him, saying, Lord, I don't deserve it but I know you can. So if you will, you can make me clean. May I say to you, that is the same approach. A person who understands their guilt and their condemnation and their condition before God, that is the same approach that they will come to the Lord with. Lord, I'm in trouble. I know I'm an offense to you. I know I'm full of sin, and I don't deserve it, but I need your mercy. Would you save my soul? Would you take away my sin? Would you forgive me? I know you can. That's the problem with religion today, too, friend. Churches everywhere, filled up with religious people, singing their songs, doing their dances, having their little devotions, and so on. All people who many might mean well, but they're not getting a good view of what God sees and what God thinks. And so you've got a church full of people who are self-righteous, a church full of people who prop themselves up and think, I'm okay with God. And yet their life outside of church is not at all what they portray inside. They don't know the way, the, they don't see and feel the need of their, of their heart that, that I'm, I'm in trouble with God. And it's so often a sad thing because it deceives so many into thinking that they're okay with God. I want you to go back to our text because we saw the need to be clean. The man felt it. He understood it. He saw that he was desperate. It's the same eyes that we need to see concerning our sin, that we need to be clean. We need to feel it, that we're desperate. The approach, he approached Jesus humbly. He fell on his face. He begged him. He was desperate. He was crying out for mercy. And then I want you to notice verse 13, because here we see the compassion. The narrative changes now, because the Bible says this man came to Jesus. And the Bible says he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. I love this statement here that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Can you imagine? 
Here's Jesus walking down the road with his disciples. They're all around him. Maybe they're having some good conversation. Maybe they're laughing. They're just enjoying each other. And all of a sudden, here comes this leper approaching Jesus. That was taboo. You don't do that. That breaks the law. They were afraid of the leprosy. You can imagine maybe all of Jesus' disciples even. Hey, hey, stop. Stop right there. Don't come any closer. You're a leper. Stay away from Jesus. Stay away from us. And maybe Jesus puts out his hand and says, Quiet. And maybe Jesus walks to this man who's now fallen on his knees, on his face in the dirt in front of Jesus. Maybe he's crying. He's humble. Maybe Jesus kneels down in front of him. And defying ceremonial law, Jesus reaches out and he touches him. Why couldn't Jesus just stand back, socially distancing? say, you're healed, be clean. Why couldn't Jesus from a distance say, I get you, I understand you, friend. You're, you're healed, you're clean. Now go your way. Could he have done that? Absolutely he could have done that. He spoke a word and this universe was created. Absolutely, he could have done that. Other times, when Jesus healed someone, remember the man with the sick child who is nigh unto death? And Jesus said, he's going to be well, he's whole. That was miles and miles and miles away from, from the place that Jesus was. And Jesus spoke a word, and the Bible says, from that hour, the child was made well, made whole. Could he have spoken a word? He absolutely could have. But the wording here is particular on purpose to demonstrate something, to show something. And it's demonstrating and showing the compassion and the willingness of our Savior who wants to meet the need where we are. Think about this. I wonder how long it had been since this man felt human touch. He probably had a wife, probably had some kids maybe. We don't know for sure, but let's just speculate for a second. He certainly had a mother and a father, right? How long had this man had his leprosy? We don't know. But I just wonder how long it had been since he had felt the tender touch of a person, maybe a wife, maybe children, maybe a mother, maybe a father. He didn't know that. It's been so long because he's an outcast. And instead of being afraid of being defiled, like maybe the disciples would have been, Jesus demonstrates compassion, and he, and, and he, and he comes to the man, and he puts his hand on him, and he says, I will be thou clean. 
Wow! He touched him. And here's the application, folks. Jesus looked on all the multitudes and was moved with compassion for them. Listen, He looks on you and He looks on me in our wretched, sinful condition and He looks on us with compassion. There's no way we can have a relationship with God God can't even look at us in our sinful state. There's no possible way we can have a relationship with God. And Jesus looks on our condition with compassion. He saw the humble heart of this man, and it moved him to want to cleanse him. Jesus said in John chapter 6, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Psalm 51 and verse 17 says, The broken and contrite heart is the one that the Lord will not despise. The problem is that most people never demonstrate that humble, repentant heart because they're not broken over their sin. They're not broken over their guilty condition before God. And there's no humility that causes them to cry out for mercy from the Lord. But when he sees that, the Lord will not despise that. There's no one who's had so much sin in their life that he will not forgive. There's no one who's done something so horrible that Christ cannot forgive. What he's looking for is that humble, contrite heart. Not only does it show his compassion, but it shows his willingness to, be, to heal. Note that Jesus said here, when the man said, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I know that you can, if you're willing. And the Bible says that Jesus touched him and he said, I will be thou clean. It demonstrates the willingness of Christ to heal. You know what 2 Peter 3.9 says? 2 Peter 3.9 says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is the will of God? That there's no one who, who dies or perishes in their sin, but that all come to repentance and have a relationship with Him. That's the heart of God. But it's the heart attitude of man that makes all the difference. Let me say it again. It's the heart attitude of man that makes the difference. God is not willing that any should perish. That's the heart attitude of God, but it's the heart attitude of man that makes the difference. It's the one who falls on his face in humble repentance toward God. That's the one that goes away clean, that goes away whole. Not the one who says, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. The result of this man's humble approach was amazing. Look at this. The end of verse 13, the Bible says, And immediately, immediately, the leprosy departed from him. There was no doubt about Jesus' ability to heal. There wasn't any doubt about that. 
He said, I don't deserve it, but if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will be thou clean. And immediately, boom, the leprosy departed from him. Can you imagine watching that? Maybe you're one of the disciples and you were the one who said, stay away, stay away. How often do Christian people treat unsaved people like that sometimes? As if we're better than they are. As if we didn't receive healing ourselves and cleansing ourselves. Maybe the disciples said that and Jesus said, no, be quiet. And he approaches the man and he touches him and he heals him. And instantly you see the leprosy that is full, that's covering this man's body. It's gone and his skin is white as snow. He's got soft baby soft skin that he hasn't had since he was a baby. Can you imagine seeing that? I think what really needs to be brought out here, though, is that this leper knew his only hope was Jesus. But he didn't get all dressed up in his finest, cleanest clothes to hide all of the horrible sores and disfigurement that covered his body. He didn't do that. He came to Jesus just as he was. In all of his ugliness, in all of his disease, and he appealed for cleansing, and Jesus responded instantly and permanently cleansing him from every trace of his disease. And here's the application. Listen, friend, there's no doubt about Jesus' ability to cleanse from sin either. The cleansing that Jesus offers isn't something that's cosmetic. It's not something that's surface, that's going to clean you up on the outside only. It cleanses the defiled conscience. It, it changes the inner man. It, it cleans you from the heart, from the inside. And just as this leper was instantly and totally made whole, so is the sinner who puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is instantly cleansed. And reconciled to God completely. But how is one made clean from his sin? John 15.3 says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1. God's not looking for somebody to put on their Sunday best and come to God with a pharisaical type attitude. He's looking for somebody who'll just be honest with themselves and with God about their sinful heart condition. Romans, or excuse me, 1 Peter 1.22 says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. How is a person saved? Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. A person is saved through obedience to the word of God, which says in Matthew 3 and verse 2, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 7, 17 says, Repent. 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1.15 and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Mark 6.12, they went out and preached that men should repent. Luke 13.3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Acts 20, 21, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how a person is made whole or clean from their sins. Repentance toward God. I've offended God. I understand my sinful condition. I'm wretched. God can't even look at me in my sinfulness because I'm an offense to Him and He's holy and I've offended him, and I've broken his law, and I deserve judgment, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Because of my sin, I deserve judgment. I don't have any hope except for Jesus Christ, and in faith, I turn and put my faith in him. He can save me. He can wash away my sin. How? Because he shed his blood on Calvary's cross. He died to take my punishment and my place. It's the understanding of our sin and guilt and offense to God that causes us to run to Jesus Christ as our only hope. Friend, are you saved today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I'm not talking about a profession of Christianity. Well, my family's always been Christian. I go to a Christian church. I'm a Christian. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's entered into by repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. When was the day, friend, that you recognized your sinful condition with a humble heart said, God, I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. I need you to make me clean. When was the day that happened for you? There's evidence of a real relationship with Jesus Christ because there's immediate cleansing. This man was changed completely. And the same is true when there's real salvation and a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Your whole life changes from who you were to who God has made you. We don't have time to look at all of this, but in verse 14 of our text, the Bible says he charged him. Here's the charge. Tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Briefly, I'll just share with you that this man immediately obeyed. Jesus said, go, show yourself to a priest and offer the cleansing according as Moses has commanded for a testimony unto them. And he says it's a testimony to go show yourself unto them. And here's the application. Friend, after we're saved, we have the same charge. 
There's a charge of obedience to God's word. To be a testimony. To be a testimony to this lost world. We ought to have a testimony. A testimony of I once was blind, but now I see. I once was a wretch and unsaved, and God had mercy on me and had compassion on me, and He saved my soul, and He's made me different. He can do the same for you. That's the testimony that you ought to have as a believer, as a child of God. You've got the same charge. Are you that testimony? Are you a witness? Are you one who says, friend, I was once blind, but Jesus Christ has caused me to see. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. He did not save you to live life unto yourself. He saved you to serve Him and to be a testimony to others. Amen? If you're not saved this morning, the opportunity is here. Come before God with a humble heart, understanding your condition. Ask God to save you. Jesus Christ will say, I will be thou clean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you take your word and use it this morning to the accomplishing of your will. Thank you, Lord, for being so compassionate to this sinful man. Thank you, Lord, for having the willingness to meet us where our need is. If we'll just acknowledge it, and humble ourselves before you. We can be made whole. So I pray, Lord, for the one in this room that's not saved. Maybe they're religious. Maybe they have a profession. Maybe they claim to be a Christian. But they've never had a real life change, an experience with Christ that makes them whole but not because you're not willing, but maybe because they haven't ever really seen and felt the need of their heart. That they're sinful. God sees them as wretched. That they're in trouble with God. They deserve wrath and judgment. And they know they have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray for that one. As you deal with their heart today, may they like this leper. Say, Lord, I know you can. If you're willing, you can make me whole. So, Lord, accomplish your purpose in every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's